College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And there's a few things I want to get into today, like, for example, what on earth is the tomato flu? We're going to talk about that in a little bit later on. Uh, We're also going to get to Joe Biden's comments that he does not respect the MAGA Republicans. Plus, there's a few things going on. Snoop Dogg has just dropped this um, kids album. Who knew that was such a thing? And there's a rapper that just got canceled because he's an AI rapper, meaning he was artificially, intelligently created. I'm going to jump into that, too, towards the end. Plus, uh, my trip to Texas for the podcast movement um, conference and a few other things. But what I want to start with is crime, because crime seems to be going up, not down. It seems to be becoming more prevalent instead of less prevalent. And there was a horrible story out of Philadelphia, which really, for me, I felt this is bad news, but it had a somewhat happy ending. This is a uh, carjacking story right out of Philly. And uh, Jason Martinez and Sheba Russell have the story. Tonight, a car stolen with a toddler in the back. And tonight, that child is safe, but police are still looking for the person who stole the car. That car stolen from a gas station in Philadelphia's Germantown neighborhood. Jenny, what can you tell us tonight? Good evening, guys. Well, that gas station manager says that this mom ran into the gas station store to pay for her gas. And in just a few minutes, her car was stolen with her child in the back seat. Um, Police at this hour are still looking for the vehicle and for the suspect. But as you mentioned, the child is safe and reunited with his family. Now, the kid is safe and reunited with his family, and that's fantastic and terrific, and amen, praise God, hallelujah. And I mean that with all sincerity. But the issue that I take here is why on earth is this happening? Why are people so desperate? Clearly, people become more desperate when they're faced with more poverty. And when you have a situation where Joe El Baboso Biden, the president of the United States, when he decides to take one step after the next to harm the way we produce fossil fuels. Recently, there was a court case and we can get into this at the bottom of the hour. But just a a quick um, a quick allusion to it here is the courts have told Biden, sorry, bro, you can't keep holding uh, the the production of these facilities hostage. You've got to produce the oil. You can't hold up these leases on federal land. So that's a positive step in the right direction. Whether or not we go in that direction remains to be seen. But the issue is this is what Biden's been doing time and again. So we're seeing more and more crime. You combine that with this defund the police movement and these very pro-crime progressive prosecutors that are willing to allow people to be harmed in the name of some sort of false equity. This is destroying our communities. We didn't, 
have an epidemic crime problem in big cities across America, all of which happen to be Democrat cities. Although somebody told me, you know, there's crime in Miami. That guy's a Republican. I was like, all right, he's not a conservative Republican. But still, my, my point is, the, by and large, these people are embracing these things. You may have a crime problem in any area. But when you ignore the problem or create conditions to exacerbate the problem, now you've got an even bigger problem. And that seems to be what's happening. Look at that story that was from New York a couple of weeks ago or just about a week ago. This guy who was a convicted uh, felon, he was out on the street, hits the guy from behind with this knockout game. Seems like they're doing it all over again now. They just come up from behind. Well-placed knockout punch. You don't even see it coming because they punch you from behind. It's a sucker punch. This is not helping. And when Biden starts saying that, you know, he slams the MAGA philosophy, saying it's uh, it's semi-fascistic when he's trying to cheer on his base and saying that he doesn't respect the MAGA Republicans. He, what he's doing is he's othering. Right. That's a word the left likes to use. He's putting us into a different category. You, if you're listening and you identify as an ultra MAGA and your pronouns are ultra and MAGA, then you want to pay particularly close attention to this because Biden is putting us. Uh, in a in a place of our own. He's ostracizing these people that disagree with him politically. And this is even going into places like the dating world. Interestingly enough, earlier today, last time we uh, we had the show, we had a, a dating concierge. Well, she sent me a message today and said that she'd gone on a date. And in her date, the guy was, you know, or communicating with her via, I guess, a text messaging app or something and saying, you know, it's okay to be a conservative Republican as long as you're not an election denier, as long as you're not one of these people that, you know, believe in, uh, you know, alluding to um, this this other type of person. Again, othering is the word that they like to use. So I'll use their word. This is interesting to me because I believe we have to be tolerant. And we'll talk a little bit more about tolerance in the fourth segment when we talk about Snoop Dogg's new um, nursery rhymes. But I, I guess the question I have for you, the audience, and if you want to chime in, hit me at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media, is it's truly tolerance that allows us to coexist. The minute that we become like them and try to other them and say, I don't want to live amongst these people, I want to create lines, I want to have my own state, this state versus that state, red states against blue states, civil war is inevitable. Does that really help or does that totally play into what Khrushchev and, and other Stalinist, Leninist uh, believers have always wanted for America is to pit one side against the other and eventually get us to pick each other off, to destroy each other, to implode from within. That's what I think is the case here. This is why I think it's so important for us to stay focused on that which really matters. But I wanted to talk about this crime stuff, right? Because now there's a sucker punch. I'm looking at this here, New York Post. Sucker punch of an elderly woman punched in an unprovoked daylight attack in New York City. The carjacking that we just heard of here in Philly that was uh, in daytime as well. So crime is rampant. And what we're really discussing here is moral decay. And it seems to me that this is like a leftist dream. They have removed God as often as they can to the point where now it's like, if you are the guy that prays before your meal, if you are the guy that, you know, says, oh, whew, thank God, it's looked at, it's frowned upon as wrong. Somehow you're the bad guy. It's wrong for you to do that. You're pushing your religion down my throat. I've never told anybody, hey, listen, stop push, pushing your uh, atheism down my throat. Stop promoting your, your life as an agnostic. I, I'm not interested. I've never said that to anybody. Why? Because I'm tolerant and I respect their position. If you don't want to believe in God, that's up to you. But that doesn't mean that if I want to be, believe in God, that I have to somehow hide it somewhere, that I've got to just keep it you know, private to myself and that you know, I'm not allowed to publicly exercise my faith, especially in a country where... My faith seems to be as prevalent as, as any other, if not the most prevalent. 
I think that's unfair. I think that's the whole reason we're allowed to do things in the public square. So I think this is a, a double standard that's been created. And I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm preaching to the choir here, not teaching you anything you don't already know, but I'm highlighting a fact that we are normalizing the secular nature of society because we were once a society that had a religious bent or a religious nature. And you could say times change. I would say times change if you make them change. If you start to um, make sure that Catholic schools don't continue to exist, if you're going to make sure that you really promote secularization in um, public schools where it's almost now taboo, you know, don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics. That's so they can keep you dumb, in my opinion. Those are probably the two most important things to talk about. You don't have to agree on them to just say, hey, here's what I believe, and this is my thought, and whatever. You know, I spent a couple of days in Texas this week for a uh, big podcast convention. And interestingly enough, I'm talking to somebody, and we were having a conversation about politics, really. I just follow the rules of logic, and in the rules of logic, you can't prove a negative. So th there's no way for me to prove something where some, if somebody says to me, well, there's a possibility for orange-colored salamanders to sleep upside down in the attics of homes in Antarctica. I don't have a way to prove that unless I actually go down there and do it. So now, you know, you put that out there and it's like the burden of proof is on me to disprove you. Why? You have no proof that it exists either. Right. So this is the problem that uh, of arguing against conspiracy theorists. Why I choose not to do it, because I think it's just it's pointless. Even if you ever do get the proof, there's always going to be some sort of whitewashing. There was a media blackout. There was this. There was that. It, it, it's very difficult now in certain cases where it's uh, clear cut. For example, Trump saying they, uh, they wiretapped me, they're spying on me, and then, in fact, it turns out he was surveilled, and there was a Foreign uh, Intelligence Surveillance Act court um, warrant, the FISA warrant. Then now there's some vindication, at least there should be. But these things take a, a while to prove, and once you've proven them, then you can have that conversation, in my opinion. Now, of course, he's defending himself, but we can't just sit here and, and make these blanket statements unless we clarify that they're theories. Anyway, I say that to say, I, because I think it's important that we, we have logical conversations. And when it comes to crime, we have to have a logical conversation. And what's logical is that we have these pro-crime progressive prosecutors like Larry Krasner, like so many others in different cities and states across the country. And, and the question remains, what is the benefit? Are we really helping African-Americans or Hispanics or whatever minority group you say you're trying to protect when you allow people to terrorize those communities? The baby in that story, you didn't get to hear it in the story because they didn't say uh, an African-American mom and her, and her African-American son, but they were people of color. And those are the people that are getting victimized by these same criminals. So this is not about helping people that are, quote, black and brown, because it's black and brown people that are getting hurt by promoting these policies, these pro-crime progressive prosecutors that fail to do anything to protect these people are hurting the BIPOC, the black indigenous person of color, as the left likes to say. So is it really working? Of course it's not working. It's absolute stupidity. This is a, a war against what's traditional and good and holy in America, and we're in the midst of it. Anyway, there's more to come straight ahead. I want to talk about a few things like uh, a biologist that says trans women are not women. Plus, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg says that 
the Hunter Biden censorship wasn't a decision he made on his own, that it was the FBI that told him to do it. And we got that audio. Plus, this is good. Tomato flu. That's a thing. And at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about Trump because the court has finally decided the magistrate judge Reinhardt. He says, yes, we are going to release this. Yes, it's going to be redacted and give you very little context of anything. But we have to protect the government's uh, sources, methods, etc., because they believe that they have something and they have confidential informants inside or whatever and whatnot. And he allowed that, saying the government did meet their burden of proof to prove that they had to keep this uh, somehow, um, like my buddy Curtis says, hush, hush, mush, mush. So they kept it under wraps. So we're going to talk about all of that and more. That's coming up straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. You're listening to 1210 WPHT. This is America. This is America. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. What's up, Philly? Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. And uh, what a week, man. Interesting week. I was in Texas for a couple of days. I'll uh, try and share a little bit on that at, at the end of it. But what was kind of funny was Texas was in the middle, at least Dallas was in the middle of a heat wave when uh, I got there at the tail end of it. So I think it was 85 degrees the day that I landed. I think it was Tuesday earlier in the week. And uh, the um, captain gets on the public address system right before we land. He says, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. The uh, temperature in Dallas is a cool 84 degrees. So it feels like winter out there, folks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. I always love it when the uh, pilots have a good sense of humor. And uh, it was a nice trip. It was uh, albeit too short. It was a nice trip. Very, very positive. Great people. But a couple of headlines I want to get to, right? There's some good headlines here that I want to share with you. Number one, Pennsylvania Senate Democrat candidate Fetterman opposes school vouchers but sends his kids to one of the state's priciest prep schools. So school choice for thee, but not for anybody else. Right? Is that how that goes? No, for ye and not for thee. I messed that one up. Anyway, then the FBI is under fire again on the Hunter Biden laptop cover-up after an admission from Mark Zuckerberg. We're going to listen to that audio in a moment. Plus, a George has... Uh, George. Take two. Security. <laughs> a judge has ordered Twitter to share user audit information with Elon Musk because he thinks that Elon might be onto something. Then... Here's uh, some shocking analysis. Biden's student loan debt bailout could cost 
a trillion dollars. Wow. I don't think we're going to have time to get into all of these stories. But the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Powell, he says there will be some pain ahead and a stern warning. And a woman who was the accomplice uh, of, of Lois Lerner's behind the IRS targeting the Tea Party, well, she has been selected to run the new IRS centralized office for 87,000 agents, some of whom will be armed. So we'll try and get to as much of this as possible. But right now, I want you to listen to this crazy audio from Zuckerberg telling Joe Rogan that it wasn't him that was censoring uh, per se. It was the FBI telling him what to do. Listen to this. How do you guys handle things when they're uh, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New York Post. Yeah, we have that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of – um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. Okay, so just be vigilant. The FBI, during Trump's term, not only tried to string him up and lynch him, but now they're continuing it straight through. This is why I think it's so important. Again, conspiracy theories aside, anti-Americanism aside, a healthy dose of skepticism towards your government is important. You need a healthy dose of that because otherwise, who knows where you're going to end up. You can't just take everybody's word for it because sadly, in my opinion, the FBI has become a politically driven police force. And it only works for one side. That's a shame. Like I've told you, I've got family that's in federal law enforcement. My family has served in law enforcement out in NYPD. And it's heartbreaking to see that this has happened. But it seems like this is the purpose of the agency. Sadly, and I'm sure people will push back and say, no, come on, Rich, they deal with kidnappings and white collar crimes. And I'm sure they do. I don't doubt any of that. But clearly to me, the instrumentality of government serves as the means to an end for a political class of people. I was as careful as I could be in saying that. There are some people that went to school to get a teaching certificate to become teachers, not because they wanted to be educators or because they wanted to be in a classroom, but because somebody in their family, their mom, their dad, their uncle, their cousin, whomever, said, listen, get your teaching certification, get your bachelor's degree, get certified, I can get you into the district. That's why. And those are just facts. And they live wonderful lives right now, and they're doing a great thing, and then they go back and they get a master's, because as soon as they get a master's, they get more money. It's automatic in their contract. You find me another professional who's automatically making money based on a contract just because they got a master's degree. Now, I'm not hating on teachers. I'm just showing you that it's a totally different world. Becoming a teacher is a lot like hitting the lotto. I know a lot of people in life. I've met many people, many different walks of life. And not everybody has a house down the shore, a house here, and lives comfortably most of their career. Really, I've seen a lot of people struggle. I don't see too many teachers struggling. Now, does that mean, well, then you're the idiot that went into broadcasting. You should have become a teacher. Understood. I understand your, your pushback on that. The point I'm making is when I was a kid, teachers said things like, oh, not on a teacher's salary. 
because it was understood that when you went into public service, whether it was becoming a garbage man, becoming a cop, becoming a teacher, whatever it was, you were doing so at a reduced rate than, than you would get in the private sector. And that was how it worked. And in addition, or as a trade-off, in lieu of, you got these amazing benefits. Now, that slowly changed for the uh, mind shifters, mind benders, mind workers, as they refer to themselves. So, again, not an attack on teachers per se, but definitely an attack on the political power that's wielded by the teachers' union. Way too much power. It's supposed to be we the people, not we the teachers' union. But this is what Zuckerberg was uh, referring to, the FBI coming to them and saying, hey, look, you need to be on high alert. To which he responds, go right ahead. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have, um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we, we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. No, because it seems like that's all you do. <laughs> and again, my... my um... My analogy here to the teachers union, the FBI is the de facto teachers union of Washington, right? They, they have the power. They've got all of the power. They have this consolidated power where it doesn't matter who's president. They can come after you no matter what. Now they're going after Zuckerberg, per se. Or maybe he's just paying it slick, you know, because he wanted to censor it anyway. Let's not forget, he is the Zuck in Zuckerbucks. So to me, th these are all um, two sides of the same coin. They all hated Trump, all wanted to get him out. And made it seem like it was a commonplace, mainstream thing to think that somebody who believed in putting America first, somebody that believed in the policies, the America first policies that Trump believed in, was somehow a threat or a danger to the rest of the country. So now you've got Biden saying things, and we'll hear about that in the next segment, where he says he doesn't respect the MAGA Republican. And you've got Zuckerberg kind of throwing the FBI under the bus saying, well, they came to me saying this and that and that, yada, yada, yada. What's the real crux of it? The crux of it is that everybody's working together, both hands washing the face, right, in order to get rid of Trump so that they could all continue to do what they do, their particular grift. Let's wrap this up. And for the, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being, um, being determined whether it was false, um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution is decreased, in, it, it got shared. How it, does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less. So fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, you know, it was like eighty-five, ninety percent. <laughs> About ten percent of Facebook saw it. These guys are so full of it. Go ahead. But it's. It's it's meaningful, but I mean, but basically, a um, a lot of people are still able to share it. A lot of people, like three people. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously, this is a hyper political issue. So, depending on what side of the no, it was breaking news, is what it was. The political spectrum. You either think we didn't censor it enough or censored it way too much, but right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country it's you're in the minority i think go ahead it's like very professional law enforcement they come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something then i want to take that seriously did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story 
I, I no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was it basically fit the pattern. Oh, the <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. You see, uh, it wasn't specifically uh, this and that. Hey, listen, we're going to have a lot of Russian misinformation coming your way. Not necessarily laptops and Hunter, et cetera, et cetera. No, no, no. That's not it at all. This has to do with other stuff. Stuff that, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Wink, wink, nod, nod. This stuff is crazy. Let me, let me read this to you. All right, this is a quick one here. But in the same vein, Breitbart News. FBI sets sights on James O'Keefe's Project Veritas with Ashley Biden diary conviction. So the FBI intends to use the guilty plea of two defendants from Thursday over the theft of Ashley Biden's diary to pursue journalist James O'Keefe's Project Veritas, which reportedly gave the diary to law enforcement in 2020. Now, on Friday, Robert Curlander, 58 years old, and Amy Harris, 40 years old, pleaded guilty to stealing the diary of the presidential daughter, which included claims of inappropriate behavior by President Joe Biden, saying that she shower, she wrote in her thing that she felt uncomfortable showering with him is at least what I was heard to be rumored. So don't sue me. That's just the report that I heard. And conspiring to sell it to Project Veritas for $40,000. Ashley Biden had reportedly left her diary at the home of a friend before it was sold to Project Veritas. Breitbart News reported previously that the FBI raided O'Keefe's private residence in November of 2021, looking for clues. O'Keefe said that Project Veritas was not involved in any theft and obtained the diary legally. He also emphasized that Project Veritas did not publish the contents of the diary, but instead had delivered it to law enforcement, although portions were published elsewhere by others. Because O'Keefe chose not to publish it. Now, having worked with O'Keefe in the past, full disclosure, I can tell you this is a story he never would have gone with. You say, hey, we've got so-and-so's diary. He would have said, that's family dirt. We don't need that. That's not what we're in the business of, right? They're in the business of self-dealing and malfeasance and stuff like that. Now, had this diary potentially had information like, you know, like what you see on the Biden, the Hunter Biden uh, laptop where it's like, oh, 10% for the big guy and I hold this family together. I'm always doing things for pop and blah, 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 that type of thing. Then that makes more sense to the self-dealing. But this was other stuff, you know, some of her intimate secrets or whatever it was. That, that's not stuff that anybody needs to know. And I respect that. And I think uh, I give uh, O'Keefe kudos for, for being um, decent that way, for sure. Now, the New York Times reported Thursday that Curlander promised to help the FBI investigate O'Keefe and Project Veritas. And here's what they said. Yada, 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 yada. It's useless. Now. The First Amendment jurisprudence has established that news organizations cannot be prosecuted just because they publish materials that may have been obtained illegally, as long as they were not involved in the unlawful process of obtaining them. The key point of uh, contention in the investigation may turn out to be whether Project Veritas was involved in instigating the theft of the diary or if it simply obtained the diary independently uh, through the process of which it uh, realized it was unlawful and then handed it over to law enforcement. So the New York Times says that Amy Harris, who's 40 years old, and Robert Curlander, uh, who's 58, admitted that they took part in a conspiracy to transport stolen materials from Florida, where Miss Ashley Biden was living, to New York, where Project Veritas is headquartered. Prosecutors said Mr. Curlander agreed as a part of a plea deal to cooperate with the Justice Department's investigation into how the diary was acquired by Project Veritas. Now, I don't know if that that's a thing, but I think this is kind of how the Snowden thing happened, where they were like, oh, whistleblower how? Because these are our secrets. And this is where it gets dicey. Some people think he's a hero. Some people think he's uh, a leaker. 
Anyway, uh, the Times goes on to say that, Decepti- that Project Veritas uses deceptive practices against liberal groups and traditional news organizations, which made it a, pres- a favorite of President Donald Trump. This is a quote from the Times. What a useless sentence, right? It- it's zero um, value to-, to the actual reporting of the information here. But this is how they do it. So we're going to continue with what's going on with the FBI and uh, Zuckerberg and all of that, because to me, the FBI is central to a lot of what's going on here. They've been central to it since day one with the Russiagate, with the Spygate hoax, with that that whole fiasco. And it seems like they haven't given up because that's the same team that was part of the raid and leading the raid, conducting the raid at Mar-a-Lago for the uh, search warrant on Trump's papers. So we're going to see what goes on with that. The judge has ruled, yes, they have to put it through. You can redact it and it will be released. So we're waiting forward to see that. But I'm going to give you an update on that coming up. Plus this um, tomato pox. Tomato pox is a thing, and it's something you got to watch out for. And we're going to do that as soon as we come back. But here's a quick tease on the tomato pox, right? It says, fears are growing over tomato flu. Excuse me, tomato flu is uh, an outbreak, and uh, health officials are giving the first warning over several symptoms. It's prompted health officials in uh, India to issue their first warning to parents along with guidance on prevention. Doctors say that its symptoms cross over with many other diseases, including flu and COVID. It's been branded tomato flu due to the painful red blisters that erupt on a patient's body. Well, that sounds a lot like monkeypox. Hmm. Is it monkeypox pox with a new uh, wrapping on it? More than 100 children across the country have been infected since the first case was noted in May 6th in Kerala. That's southern India. Some 82 children under the age of five have been reported in the southern state to have had this. So as we get more on that, I'll keep you up to speed anyway. There's more to come, so don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. That's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative Talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I hope you're enjoying your weekend. It was a wonderful week, at least it was for me. I had a great time at the Podcast Movement Conference in Dallas, Texas. And uh, you could see some of the um, Instagram stories I put on um, my um, feed there. If you want to see what was going on there, it was pretty cool. There was a really cool moment where I, was, I walked into the conference and 
saw this huge jumbotron screen, and it was saying how you know fifty million downloads and listeners, and from fifty different podcasts, and they were showing the different pictures of the podcast, and then boom, there was this is America with Rich Valdez. I had no idea that was going to be there. Uh, I do know that I'm signed with that company, but I did not know that um, I was going to be on that display. So I was like, oh my gosh, how cool! Let me bust it out my camera, and I was fangirling all over it to send it to my kids. So I thought that was pretty cool, and um, you could take a look at that on Instagram as well at Rich Valdez with an S. Now the FBI and the uh, administration, they're, they've been at odds with what seems to be Trump and the American people at large, where they're willing to do what they've got to do in order to get what they want. It's a, a very utilitarian argument where, you know what, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to get. This is how we're going to do it. Bing, bang, boom. Easy. But that's not always the case. Now, if you're listening uh, on the air or if you're listening to the, the stream or uh the next day on podcast, however you're listening, I want to thank you for that before I move any forward because without listeners, we don't do anything, right? I'm just talking to myself. Now, I want you to listen to this audio clip of President Joe Biden telling the American people that don't agree with him how much he respects them. There are, no, there are not many real Republicans anymore. By the way, you're sitting governor. He's a Republican you can deal with. We disagree. No, no, I'm serious. But at least he's within the mainstream of the Republican Party. I respect conservative Republicans. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans. Folks, everybody thinks I'm exaggerating when I say this, but they're coming after your Social Security as well. And you think I'm kidding. (laughs) Oh, boy. Few people like to admit that Donald Trump revived a very much dying Republican Party. I don't think there was much of a future. There were some rising stars. There was Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and a few, you know, conservatives that were really, I guess, being very biased as a, a fanatic of the Tea Party movement. I have to say those were the guys that I think were making moves. Romney, clearly, I didn't even vote for Romney. I'm just going to be on the record there. Um, I did not vote because I felt, you know what, that's a waste this, the minute I, I saw he was the guy, I said, there's no way this guy wins. Obamacare light is not going to win. And I was right. Not that I'm somehow clairvoyant. It just I felt like, you know what? It's going to take two cycles, eight years to even have a shot at winning again. I was right on that one. And when, when it was happening, I said, oh, my gosh, you know, Rubio sounds good. He's saying all the right things. Uh, Cruz is out there. He's, he's swinging hard. And then enters Orange Man Bad. Right, El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, Donald J. Trump. And he just, one by one, it was kind of like lined him up, and he was just like smacking him down, smacking him down, smacking him down, smacking him down. And he, in my opinion, reigned triumphant on that debate stage and said, you know what, this is how we do it. And he showed that bravado, that strength, that uh, willingness to have the conversation, but unwillingness to budge on things where he didn't want to make a deal and shouldn't have made a deal. And brought America to where we needed to be. It had to be extreme. It had to be forceful. It had to be strong. You had to come correct. It had to be America first in many ways. And I supported the majority of what he was saying and doing. And I think that was the new breath that was breathed into the Republican Party. And yes, I think there are more conservatives now than there ever was before. There were some libertarians that are caught in the middle, and they tend to lean more conservative anyway. Because moderate Republicans are, whether it's right or wrong, they're all labeled rhinos and people don't like them. 
And again, my issues with Romney were that he just didn't provide the contrast that I liked. For being a religious conservative, he wasn't religious conservative enough for me, for my taste, for my liking. So I look at all of that and I think, you know what? This is the time for us to differentiate. And who would have thought billionaire playboy Donald Trump, orange man bad, comes in, Donaldus Magnus, El Trompito, and of all people, a New Yorker who was a Democrat is going to come in and be one of the most conservative governing presidents in modern history. Well, I think a lot of people didn't see that coming, but he did what he thought was right and he did what he believed made sense. And now they're after him for that reason. Right. So you've got, you know, breaking news all over the place. I didn't I was going to start the show with this, but I'm sure you've, you've heard it a million times already. And honestly, I have Mar-a-Lago fatigue over this story. There's just so much out there. And this is this is a losing battle, in my opinion, uh, in terms of debating it. You can have all the facts and truth on your side and people are just going to shake their head. No, put their fingers in the ear and go, no, no, no. Orange man bad. No, no, no. Trump is guilty. No, no, no. Trump's going to jail. And that's it. That's, that's all you're going to get. It, this is a useless thing. But, of course, you keep swinging nonetheless. But just the news, John Solomon's reporting the DOJ releases an affidavit showing FBI collected 184 sensitive documents at Mar-a-Lago before the raid. So they're saying that they got their affidavit together because they had already taken some of the sensitive information out of there and felt that they had to come back somehow unannounced. doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But the report uh, from just the news is that the um, agents made their decision to return on August 8th based in part on what they had received in their, from their meeting in May. Redacted Mar-a-Lago search affidavit is released. The affidavit contains redactions with nearly half of the document being blacked out, which is what I suspected. And I think all of us did. On Friday, the affidavit for a search warrant that resulted in the FBI raid of former President Trump and his Mar-a-Lago residence was released to the public in a heavily redacted form. The government is conducting a criminal investigation concerning the improper removal and storage of classified information in, author- in unauthorized spaces, as well as the unlawful concealment or removal of government records, is how the affidavit begins. The affidavit contains heavy redactions with nearly half of it blacked out. That's the third time they've said that. The affidavit states that the investigation began as a result of a referral at the United States National Archives Records and Administration Office sent to the Department of Justice on February 9th, nearly a month after Trump had returned 15 boxes of materials. So Trump Trump was clearly cooperating and sending materials back, and they wanted to continue this pursuit. In December of 21, 12 boxes were returned to the National Archives Uh, On or about May 6, 2021, the National Archives made a request for missing Presidential Records Act records and continued to make requests until approximately late December 21, when the National Archives were informed that 12 boxes were found and ready for retrieval at the premises of the former president, the affidavit states. The affidavit continued to say that The 15 boxes contained highly classified documents intermingled with other records, adding that the national defense materials were amongst those classified documents and that those documents had been stored in an unauthorized location on the premises. Quote, it was determined through a review conducted by the FBI from May 16th to May 18th that a preliminary triage of the documents with classification markings revealed that The following approximate numbers, 184 unique documents bearing classification markings, including 67 documents marked as confidential, 92 documents marked as secret, and 25 documents marked as top secret were, uh, you know, not secured the way they were 
expecting them to be. Further, the FBI agents observed markings reflecting the following compartments of dissemination controls, HCS, FISA, O-R-C-O-N, N-O-F-O-R-N, and SI. Based on my training and experience, I know that documents classified at these levels typically contain NDI. Several of the documents contained what appeared to be F POTUS handwritten notes, former POTUS, the affidavit states. All right, I don't know all of that alphabet soup, but for the most part, these are quotes from the um, affidavit saying that the documents weren't being held the right way and they had to be confiscated. Of course, they say the emergent nature of this had to be a, a raid, a search warrant, uh, but of course, they took their time with the attorney general saying he took weeks to decide and the warrant getting signed on a Friday and then not executing it until the following week. So the another quote here, the facts set forth in the affidavit are based on personal knowledge. This is written by uh, the, the FBI person that submitted this. By my personal knowledge, obtained during my participation in this investigation and information obtained from other FBI and U.S. government personnel. Because this affidavit is submitted for the limited purpose of establishing probable cause in support of the application for a search warrant, it does not set forth each and every fact that I or others have learned during the course of this investigation. And that's according to the FBI agent who wrote the affidavit. So there have been some concerns, and now there are redactions. The judge says that the government has met its burden of proof for proving that this had to be done the way it was done and has released this heavily redacted document. So as this continues, we'll learn more about it. But it's clear to me that we have a problem on our hands. We have an FBI that's incredibly heavy-handed towards a former president and is willing to go where it hasn't gone before. What do we do in a situation like this? I don't know. You tell me. At Rich Valdez on all of the social media, at Rich Valdez. Uh, I think we definitely need reform. We need some swamp drainage. We need a lot of things. But it's a change of leadership that's imperative. And... um, to take away the power that's been consolidated because this is absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, don't move a muscle. More to come straight ahead. We're about to wrap this thing up. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And um, nothing wrong with a little bit of metal, right? A little guitar to bump back here with you guys. Uh, beautiful weekend. And so check it out. I wanted to get into a few things, but um, like always, we're running out of time. So I'll put some of this up into the next show. Plus, it, you know, rule number one in showbiz, always have them wanting more, right? Uh, so hopefully you're enjoying it. You want to hear the rest of the commentary on the other stuff, and uh, we can have that conversation together. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, crazy things that are going on in the world of music, right? Because there's this, this story that I found interesting, which there's an AI computer-generated musician, Right, Variety.com. Capitol Records severs ties with FN Mecca, an artificial intelligence generated virtual rapper. Why? Well, it's over stereotypes and a lack of black creative involvement. Now, the image that's here looks like a, a white rapper. Um, and 
not long after announcing this, they explained why. Right, Capital Record Group says that it's cutting ties with the project because on Tuesday they came under fire from activists pointing out the music perpetuated black stereotypes, including the repeated use of the N-word, but was actually the work of non-black creatives in their creative team. Saying that the uh, rapper here has basically, you know, culturally appropriated hip-hop or black hip-hop, if you will. So they're saying they've cut ties with him. They offer their deepest apologies to the black community for their insensitivity in signing this project without asking enough questions about equity and the creative process behind it. We thank those that have reached out to us with constructive feedback in the past. Your input was invaluable. So you went from this, I mean, listen, uh, kudos to all of them because I don't think we need rappers that are AI, computer-generated rappers, right? I think the, the point here is to have rappers that are real, <laughs> and to d- display talent, whether you like it or not. And this goes back to my political views, right? You know, so I think uh, we, we talked about this dating app last time, people saying they only want to date conservatives. And, and I get that. I do. I, people having shared common values. But listen, I listened to hip hop that when I was a kid, it was FTP, F the police. I was always pro-police. You know, I wanted to be a cop. I ran around wearing a cop uniform with a fake gun in my belt. My brothers were cops. Uh, I always wanted to do that, yet I, I heard this music and I thought, all right, you know, it's it's interesting gangster rap. It was coming from the West Coast at the time. Um, you had KRS-One here on the East Coast with whoop, whoop, that's the sound of the police. That was around the time I was in sixth grade. And, you know, he was talking about how the, the word officer derives from overseer riding around the plantation. And now today they're on patrol around the nation and you know, very, very politically charged lyrics that, again, song I would I would sing along to. But I never believed it because I've always looked at music and all entertainment, for that matter, as art imitating life. And that artist, that's how they see life. That's their lens as a Marxist, as as a secular humanist, whatever, as a womanizer. And it's up to me whether I want to accept the portrayal of their art that imitates life as they see it. And and in many ways, that's what I do here with my commentary. I don't know that I would label it as art, but I see things through my lens and I share it that way. And if, pe- if people want to hear what I have to say, great. And if they don't, keep it moving. I get it. So that's why I don't have a problem with Bad Bunny or all the rest of these people because that you know there's always been music like that, whether it's um, Jim Morrison and The Doors uh, or other, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll bands from the 60s that talked about those things, about tripping on acid or, or you know, ODing in a bathtub, Hotel California, whatever the case is, that's Hollywood life. And they say how they see it. So for me, I think this is just one of those things where it's art imitating life. But when it's an AI-generated person, it's not art imitating life. It's computer-generated. And that's fake, that's phony, and that's fraud. That's all I've got. Until the next time, hasta la próxima. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for you to sit there and do nothing. So make sure you do something. Because America needs you now more than she's ever needed you. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 